He is going to drop the throw. Fires deep along the right sideline for Alec, Alec Pierce. Pierce. He's got it. Touchdown! Touchdown! Alec Pierce spikes it into the end zone. Touchdown! I-N-D-Y! A 32-yard grab over the shoulder snag. Don't let nobody tell you who you are. I remember sleeping, wishing on a shooting star. After practice overnight, cleaning, working hard, coming up short, hoping one day I'd go far. I was young, dumb, broken, I was still naive. I had failed so many times, but I still believed that I would turn into that man everyone could see. Wouldn't never let nobody tell him what he could achieve. I stayed focused, walked right on my path. Told my mom I was leaving and I couldn't come back. Hopped out my feelings, quit my job, graduated and laughed. And went to Cali straight, broken, hopped right in my bag. Now I'm standing here speaking. And giving all I am Trying to show you that the change starts with one man I ain't lying cause I did so I know you can So I'm here to help the world understand that This is motivation For every single chance you ain't taking Any rule that's in your way you better break it Shut up, embrace it The pain is a prerequisite Without it how the fuck you think you ever gonna make it The sweat is your payment Fucking escalator Take the stairs to the top right from the fucking basement Your life is a statement Leave a legacy and stop waiting Get your ass up today and start chasing It's that motivation I'm hoping that this hits your soul They're just dreams till you sit down and you write your goals I remember when they said I wasn't built this strong I bounce back like elastic and put myself on Now I'm selling out these tickets to places I don't know Going to these places they said that I couldn't go Giving all my time to people at these shows To spread this message and this music that I know brings hope They feel it I don't gotta top a stupid chart or win a Grammy Just to show that I'm the realest I don't need a co-sign from nobody If they ain't said nothing by now They pretending not to see it Any odd I beat it Negativity deleted I don't care about success It's the journey I'm feeling If I say it, I mean it Flow dirty, can't clean it Give a fuck about the past Cause I R.I.P'd it Now I'm about to fucking hit the top You fucking people can't cancel me Put me in the box of fucking drive me to insanity I'm already crazy One fourth of me is all of you So half of me is two of you And four of you is all of me You'll need a whole army If you thinking about stopping me In five lifetimes If you thinking you can copy me I beat in poverty Went to war and beat mediocrity My life is mine I'm more than that shit Like I'm doing pottery I'm Get a failure, I embrace it and chase it If there's a 1% chance, I could do what I take it I took the hate they all threw, sat down and I ate it Then took the motivation from it, turned to one of the greatest And now, every time I drop, I know I'm making a statement Replacing every single person that you got on your playlist I'm not a product of the system, that's why no one can break it I'm trying to change the whole game, man Fuck being famous, dog I'm self-proclaimed and I ain't never changed I rock the same clothes and still got the same chain It's a reminder when I hooped and I would go and get my jersey And those people didn't even know my name Well, now I know you See it. They told me leave, I made a promise, they would all feel it I couldn't find the change, so I said, oh, be it So I hope that y'all know, this is Dak's fucking self-proclaimed focus This is motivation, for every single chance you ain't taking Any rule that's in your way, you better break it Shut up, embrace it, the pain is a prerequisite Without it, how the fuck you think you ever gonna make it? The sweat is your payment, fucking escalator Take the stairs to the top right from the fucking basement Your life is a statement, leave a legacy and stop waiting Get your ass up today and start chasing It's that motivation Oh, what's up, D? What's up? It's that motivation. It's that motivation. You ever heard of him? Nah, I have not. That was the first that's, time I heard him. That's Dax, man. I, I love that dude, bro. I listen to him in the gym. There you go. But, all right, everybody, we are here, finally live, after being late, about 25, 30 minutes. Uh, 
<clears throat> we had some things going on and then we had some technical difficulties happening. So we had kind of had to keep pushing the time back. We apologize for that. We try not to have that type of stuff happen, but sometimes things don't always go as planned. So here we are. I tried, to, uh, tried to get in early for y'all and then my, my laptop went and crapped out on me. So I got to reset this right now, but made it in on the old school way. Got the phone going. Yes, sir. Today it is just me and D. Uh, everybody else has some stuff going on. Trev is graduating from basic leader course in the Army, so he's out partying. And then uh, Damon had something come up, and then Zach is working, so it's us two. Uh, last week we took the weekend off. Uh, we decided we were going to spend time with our families for the spooky weekend of Halloween, which we hope everybody had a good one. And then we got some games we got to talk about. A whole lot of news to discuss tonight. It's going to be like beating a dead horse, but I think me and D have some different thoughts on things that had occurred throughout the last couple of weeks that most of these Indianapolis reporters don't like to touch base on. So uh, first, let's go ahead and talk about Washington, the way that game went down. D, what are, what are your first thoughts about that game? Uh, my first thought about that those that game is uh we let another one slip man um i honestly uh it's uh it's one of those things where where like over the last few years i've been a huge apolish apologist um with almost everything indianapolis wise uh whether it be frank wright um just giving him multiple breaks on on just decision making decisions whether we go for it in the wrong situation or whether or not play calls, things like that. And then whether it be the defense where we'd have strong defensive games um, where our defense would just play lights out. Um, and then sometimes they just do what they did this past week and give up 10 crucial points that when we need them to get a stop and they just can't get it. Or whether it be the offense right now, just looking anemic. So um, just another one of those weeks where, where we just can't put it together. Uh, against a team where we had a really good shot to go ahead and get a win and, and shut up some people. Um, so I just thought it was a huge missed opportunity. That game, that game was the epitome of our season, to be I, completely honest. I, I think every every issue we've ran into this season had came out in that game, and it just kind of shows the definition of what it's been, right? It, uh, statistically, even in Washington, when we played Washington, this was the same the same thing. We averaged 6.1 yard or 6.3 one to 6.6 .6 yards per play in our own territory. Uh, the moment we get into opposing territory, we average, you know, 3.1 to 3.3. And that's, that's unacceptable. The fact that once we get across the 50, we forget how to move the ball. That's, that's the epitome of what Frank Wright has done since he's pretty much been in Indy. I will put up a chunk of yardage at times and, and usually it's when we get to the red zone we start to stumble. But this year it's just been in, in enemy territory where we just slack off, I guess. I, I don't know how to put it in, in the terms of uh, whatever he's got going on or whatever play calling was, what play issues were. But that brings us to the situation of them firing Marcus Brady and how does that fix the situation? Yeah, that <laughs> – that's a that's a confusing situation with him with fire Marcus Brady and the reason I think it's confusing is because most teams who fire their offensive coordinator it's because the offensive coordinator is calling plays he has full control of the offense and the head coach is just overseeing things exactly. but when but when Frank was answering these questions all week all he was saying was that uh, 
Marcus only only really controlled the meetings. That's all he really yeah. did was he was just in control of the meetings and Frank ran everything else. <laughs> so yeah, I think that was um, me and your initial conversation to it was when we were talking in the group is I was saying I was thinking Marcus was being scapegoated and uh, you were like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, well, l- listening to the presser, I'm like, he didn't really have an answer for it. Yeah, it was just kind of like we're all responsible. I'm like, well, if we're all responsible here, you don't fire somebody if you guys are all taking the same blame. So that didn't make any sense to me. It just didn't sound right. So the fact that he was let go, just like you said, you would think a guy would be the play caller and whatnot. And so that's that's been the tough part for me this season. Usually I can kind of put some pieces together as to what we're doing or what's going on with our season, with our year, um, or what the staff has made me thinking in the situation. But this year has been the most questioning. And I think uh, Greg Doyle probably put it best when he said that uh, Sam Ellinger went from a guy that was on a practice squad. Yeah. (laughs) Four weeks later, he's our third string QB. Then within a two-week span goes from third string to starter and said, it doesn't really seem like you guys know what you're doing. And – it's kind of getting there to that point where it's like, I don't think they really know what they're doing at quarterback. And I think that's been the biggest thing since Andrew Luck has retired. Chris Ballard and Frank Wright have just been overwhelmed with the whole quarterback situation. And it's really starting to show. And I think they just don't know what to do anymore at this point. Yeah. It hasn't, it hasn't really made sense because like we've talked about it a couple of times before we've missed out on quarterbacks in multiple drafts. We've missed out, you know. I mean, we we've gone after older quarterbacks. I mean, when 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 Andrew Luck retired, I, I gave you know gave Frank Reich that pass, right? Because we had Jacoby Brissett starting, and we still I be, I believe well we went eight. We started nine. five and two, five yeah, and two, we, and finished seven and nine. So, something like that, yeah. And that, that's not bad for having Jacoby Brissett and your quarterback, you know, retiring three weeks before the season starts. So that year, I still gave Frank, you know. A pass, and then we got Philip Rivers, which was ultimately the Frank Wright uh, project. He wanted to bring in a guy that he was familiar with to the see start, what he the could start do. of the the start of the Frank Wright projects. <laughs> right, the start of it, and it just <laughs> that season was went 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 pretty okay. I guess it wasn't great, but the play calling was definitely questionable throughout that whole season. And that that season, you you can even go back in the group for For the Shoe and you can see me literally <clears> posting <throat> in 2020 like, hey, can we fire Frank now? Like, we've been calling it since then. And then, but that season, that the season before Phillip Rivers was the, se- was the off season to fix the quarterback position. Absolutely. Absolutely agree there. But um, I mean, I mean, I get it. We got DeForest Buckner. You know, we, we traded the, the 13th pick for DeForest Buckner that year, mm-hmm. which is which is awesome. But at the same time, it's like, okay, we still haven't fixed the most important position. Yeah. And see, and that right there is where it brings us to the conversation of when I started actually thinking of it. Because from 2018, starting one and five and then bouncing back, I was like, okay, cool. We're good. Get to 2019, start five and two. And Jacoby was actually playing like, I don't necessarily want to say pretty well, but he was a, a good game manager until the injury. Once the injury happened, the new injury against the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, it kind of went downhill from there. And then we bring in Rivers. And 
I was one of the people who wasn't high on Rivers. Um, unfortunately, I, he was the best person that we brought in since. Um, but I was not high on him before the season started. I, I, I figured he'd be better just looking at the stats. If you look at all the stats of, of quarterbacks that um, that uh, Frank Wright has had. Oh, you guys, go. Um, the quarterbacks that Frank Wright has had, whether it be Andrew Lowe, Jacoby Brissett, Carson Wentz, Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, um, all their stats have pretty much gotten better from the year before to the year with Frank. So um, I figured that, okay, well, this could probably work. But at the same time, it's like, well, you can't just keep patching over this guy. And once Phillip Rivers decided he was going to retire, that should have been the beginning for the Indianapolis Colts to say, we need to find our guy. And that brings us to Sam Ellinger, who I, by all means, would love to see him succeed. But for me, personally, just all the quarterbacks that we've went through and that we've watched over the years now, I want him to be the guy if he's going to come out and he's going to look like the Justin Herbert that we saw. Like, I want a guy that's truly going to be 300-yard passer, multiple touchdowns. Like, I know it's a lot of expectations to put on a six-round pick, but I'm not really trying to be sold on a guy that we haven't drafted in the first-round pick if I have to be sold on him unless he's going to absolutely be a guy. And that's just where I am right now with our quarterback situation because it has to be fixed. I agree 100%. And with Sam, you know, developing, which is which is good. I don't think we're going to see that type of Justin Herbert. I think we're going to have some frustration across the board. And I don't think it's anything against Sam. I think mm-hmm. what it is against is it's against Frank because Frank is – on these kind of like, kind of like how Michael Pittman and, and all of them said it, you know, you have to trust us. Go ahead and trust your receivers. Let Sam sling it. Don't you he can sling it? Sling it. Uh, hope I'm hoping that uh, so the read option and the mobility of Sam that Frank saw multiple times that Sam should have kept the ball last week. Yeah. Kind of. And over that film with him was like, hey, when you see this, keep it, tuck it, man. Don't be afraid to tuck it and run. Because I think there was about four or five times where he would, where they ran a read option last week. And Sam, I, I just think he handed it off to be safe. Yeah, I think that's uh, also that's, – that's a couple things playing quarterback position. That's familiarity. That's coaching. That's comfortability. And then it's also the safe position. So when you run that read option – what they always teach you as a quarterback when you're running that read option is if you don't know what to do, the safest thing is to hand it off to the running back every single time. So uh, I think that's a lot of things that come down to it. That's why I, I really appreciate what Sam did last week as far as his completion percentage, his big throw ability, deep throw ability, um, his decision-making, I thought, in that game was pretty damn flawless for a guy who pretty much hasn't played in two years. Um, I really like the things that he did. I like what I've seen. Um, what I saw from him. Um, so I think that was that. Um, and then there was some plays that he missed. I don't know if you've seen the either the Lawrence Owen film breakdown or broke it down on your own. Um, yeah, I know you have watched some of it, but um, if you've seen some of them, some of the deep throws that he missed, uh, like the uh, the almost interception to Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce was coming open on a on a um, inside deep route. So uh, just some plays that he can get better on. But I did like what I seen from him, and 
I just think it, it's going to come down to Frank letting him open it up. Like, I feel like we cannot, like, pull the reins on this guy. So it's almost like what we did with Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger. The whole time, like, if you look at any other team, if they got to go through their first, second, third, fourth-string quarterback, they're going to be like, okay, yeah, we're starting this guy this week because he's there. Frank Wright, being a former quarterback, he wants to, oh, yeah, we're going to protect this guy. So he doesn't want to let him open it up and play. That's what we need to do for Sam. Let him open it up and play. He's going to make mistakes. This guy hasn't played. He's pretty much a rookie. we got to let him go out and play and experience and learn to see what he can truly offer to us um, to find out if he's going to be our guy or not. And But uh, I will say, like, I mean, outside of the fumble, I pretty much liked everything he did. I'd like to see him take a huge step um, to show us that he could be the guy. Tough week this week against um, New England to me as well. What I don't like about last week is what Frank did when it came to talking about mobility a whole week prior leading up and mm-hmm. starting the game off in a Matt Ryan scheme. <laughs> and keeping him in the pocket, not not utilizing him properly. I think it took him the whole what till like the third quarter to start moving him around. I think he I think he maybe moved the pocket once in the first half, maybe yeah. twice. Yeah. And, and then he started getting flashy. And then when he started getting flashy with his play claws and it started working, eventually he stopped. Confusing to me. Why did you stop? That was the one that led to, I believe it was the JT fumble. Um, they were doing jet sweeps and Paris Campbell was running down the field. Then they were doing screens and Paris Campbell was still running down the field. You know what I mean? Like, and, then, and then they got down the field and they just stopped. They started running that cookie cutter stuff and, and JT just fumbled it. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like you said, um, if I was going to test somebody out and whatnot and, and see how it went like, and went that way, the first thing I would have did is I would have ran the guy out in a, uh, on a quarterback sneak. Just ran him out there and see what he could have done. That's what I personally would have did. Still, still fixing that up. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I actually got to work. Uh, Kate, uh, so from what I'm tracking is Frank uh, is going to take the majority of the offense, but Scotty is going to be uh, kind of like the OC. Matt, you think you can let me in again? Oh, you switched. Okay. Getting so confused. There's two of you in here. There you go. There we go. <laughs> All right, perfect. All right. Um, so yeah, uh, Kate. So as far as we know, uh, Frank has been calling everything already. Um, but supposedly, what he's going to do now is he's going from Marcus Brady organizing the offense, getting the O line coaches and everybody else ready. Um, he's supposed to switch that over now to our running back coach Scotty Montgomery um, to get that all in order now. So, so from what I'm understanding is um, Frank was always included in all the meetings that had involved all the game planning, all that stuff. 
Uh, and he wasn't, he was the one who was responsible for the first 15 plays. So all those, uh, terrible starts and slow starts, those were on Frank. They were not on Marcus Brady. So <laughs> it, it made that's me, part. yeah, that's the part that made me laugh when I heard him say that in the meeting and I'm like, okay, Greg Doyle, please, Greg Doyle say something. Cause as much as we've hated Greg Doyle in the past, this man is the only one who's calling him out. Stephen Holder sitting here making excuses. Zach Kiefer is making excuses. All these other guys, you know, Matt Taylor. I like Matt Taylor. He's the voice of the Colts. He's not a uh, reporter per se. You know, he's just the voice of the Colts. But that he's guy, just the he, guy that hates losing. Right. And then you got Rick Venturi, which is actually, if you listen to him when he talks, he's calling Frank out the majority of the time. I wish Rick Venturi was our head coach right now because that man would have us probably sitting at 8-0. He at least have us prepared. Yeah, facts. But the, the idea that hey, we're gonna we're gonna fire a guy who probably only focuses on the the adjustments at halftime. Yeah. When after the first half is when we do the best. So the funny thing is, is just like how you said the first fifteen plays, right? So if you think about it, I want to say at least six, six to seven out of most of our games that we played this year. Our first three drives were either close to pretty much a three and out or like two three and outs and a first down. Like yes. those are literally all the Frank Wright plays. So literally that that brings us back back to the Frank Wright situation. And that's why I was telling you uh, when you told me that um, like maybe Frank might be able to get us right. And even Zach started maybe having a little bit of hope that Frank can fix this thing. And I was just like, please don't start giving Frank hope anymore. <laughs> Just because, like, it's like I've had it with the the whole slow start situation where it's always like it's always, oh, yeah, we're going to get this together. We're going to get this right or we're going to fix it. We didn't want to start slow, but we start slow every year. So it's like when are we going to get to the point where we're going to finally just be like, you know what, Frank, it's you. You know, know, I'm not saying he's not the problem because I've been saying he's the problem, but the thing. The other problem is Jim Irsay, right? Because Jim Irsay is not going to fire head coach midseason because Jim Irsay doesn't like to tank. He doesn't I, like to lose out. You know what I'm saying? So he can, he's I that can. guy that's like, I'm going to try to do whatever I can to salvage this team, to salvage this season. And it's it started with benching Matt Ryan. Then it came to Marcus Brady. So let's say we lose tomorrow. What's next? Who's next? <laughs> like, who are you going to fire? You're not going to fire Frank. You're not going to fire Chris. The two who are responsible for this position. I love a week of practice. Um, um, Miss some things. Uh, We're gonna we're gonna watch this tape and uh, we're gonna learn to get better. We were out coaching. We were outplayed today. But we're uh, we're heading in the right direction. (laughs) Yeah, we saw some things that we can build on. I mean, that's what I'm saying, man. It's 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 an every week continuous thing of the same crap. You've seen, Frank you've seen, he's been seeing things that we can build on since 2019. <laughs> like, yeah, he's still in 2019. That guy, he—it's like he doesn't work. Like he's on COVID still. I don't like, even know quarantine. if it's 20. I don't even know if it's 20 uh, 2019 because we had a pretty good start to that year. I'd say 2018. He's still expecting our quarterback to to carry to to turn into Andrew Luck. Um, Ashley, thank you. Yeah, they're not supposed to be in here, but my kids just want to, they want to be here with daddy. Mine, mine are two tonight. <laughs> it's it's um, one of those nights. But, 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just been this continuous thing with the Frank Wright era where I, I'm guessing he's expecting a quarterback to turn into something else. Uh, it, it's just tough to say. Um, but it also brings me to, uh, I hate to talk about another team or another coach, but, um, Hey, Hey, wait. Um, but there was a clip. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's pretty much been circulating since the uh, Miami Dolphins played. They had, I want to say it was back to back offsides penalties on defense. And, uh, is that this year? Yeah, that was this year. And, uh, the coach for the Miami Dolphins, I'm blanking on his name right now, Mike, uh, um, McDaniels. Mike, yeah, McDaniels. And, uh, he turns to his defensive coach and he says, Hey, what's going on? And, and the coach says something else back to him. And he says, you better fix that shit. <laughs> like, that's what he turns to his coach and says. And when he says that, it just bumped into my head. And I'm like, dude, that is a fucking head coach you want. You want a guy that's going to hold people accountable and say, hey, get your stuff fixed, dude, and let's go. You know what? It's funny, too, because I like Mike McDaniels. A lot of people make fun of him because he gives you some weird answers. He does he all does. this weird he absolutely stuff. absolutely does. But the team had always said that they play for him. Like, it's, it's, it's one of those things where Mike McDaniels will tell you straight up, like, I don't know anything about the injuries. I'm not a doctor. You know, like, I'll tell you when the doctors tell me. I have nothing to say about that. Um, exactly. But, yeah, he holds accountable. Like, if you look at any head coaches that are successful in the NFL, they're always holding people accountable. You have, you know, uh, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick was always holding coaches accountable. Uh, He was always making his offense and defensive coordinators, he was making those guys better. So, like, if you have a guy like Bill who's making his coordinators better rather than the coordinators making you better as a head coach, you know, that that's where the success comes in. You're, you know, accountability is important. And Frank, even after firing Marcus, right, he doesn't want to tell us why. He He's not saying a reason. So he's not giving accountability. He's He never does that. He just kind of, well, Marcus is a great guy. You know, he did this, 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 and this, and he's going to go do this, this, and this. And I, I, that's not what we want to hear. We want to hear why. Exactly. Why did you fire Marcus? What did Marcus do wrong that you weren't ahead of, that you weren't overseeing every day? <laughs> exactly. And I and I hate to be like Zach Kiefer, so I apologize to everybody who's watching, but this is kind of like my little uh, replay of the conversation. The question was asked to, uh, by Greg Doyle. Was Marcus um, scapegoated? And Frank Wright says, not exactly, word for word. I apologize, everybody, because I should have had the exact right word. But um, it was a. Uh, he said he said that he he, said, he got fired as an OC, and then he went on to win everybody the Super Bowl as an OC. Like it's yeah, he wanted to basically give some little pity shit about like maybe this is why. That he didn't work he out. Didn't, he didn't fit in the team. Sometimes you just he, don't fit in the team. Yeah, exactly. Some shit like that he said and on the that, round table. And uh, that he was not being scapegoated and that yeah. everybody had a hand in it. And so to me, if I'm thinking to myself as a manager or GM, um, of just of anything, if I feel like everybody has a, had a hand in something that we all have seen as an issue, I'm not just going to point at one guy and say, hey, you're out because maybe it's you. Yeah, no. That's See, that's that's accountability, just like Trev said here in the comments. Accountability is is being terrible right now in our organization. And honestly, this goes all the way back 
to numero uno at the top. Jim Irsay, for the same reason that as much as Carson Wentz like was crazy erratic last year, he put it all on Carson Wentz's the blame and kicked him out, and oh. it was not only his fault. They did it to like, Jacoby. Was- they did it to Jacoby. When Jacoby went 5-2, and two, he ended up getting hurt. We couldn't figure out how to use him because where he was hurt – took away, you know, one of his strengths, his his ability to throw properly, right? Because from what I'm tracking, it was a lower leg. Mm-hmm. And if you if you can't pivot or turn on that lower leg properly, you're not going to throw an accurate football. Carson Wentz showed that last season when he had the two ankle sprains. You can't throw right. At the, everything is within your footwork. Yeah, I honestly feel a little bit different about Jacoby just because I, I, like, I like Jacoby as a backup. I like him as a player. I like him as a person. But I did not see him as a guy. Um, so that's why I kind of understood the situation there. It's just more so with Carson. Like if you've seen our season as a whole, like everybody saw us, we were, we were nine and five. Um, we were literally pretty much had the NFL scared to face us in the playoffs and not just Carson, but our entire team, the entire team, the, the entire, entire team. team broke down and Jim I, just said, Hey, get Carson. It was out Carson. Of 100%. So, so 100%. just because that was just like that's just like how Chris Ballard and and Frank Wright are taking everything in this locker yes. room as let's blame somebody instead of except for ourselves us, exactly except instead for of all of us because, because here's the thing right if you look at those last two games against the Raiders in Jacksonville we should have never let up those points exactly Darius Leonard missed the sack Kenny Moore missed a uh, let Henry Renfro get wide open and I mean we, we had much, we had zero we pass much, rush. <laughs> Zero pass rush. For the last pass rush, the, the, well, the pass rush last year was sketchy the whole season. Exactly. If we had this pass season. rush, if we had this pass Facts. rush last year, we'd look a lot better. Facts. So Facts. Um, I agree. I agree. I don't think Car. I I never blamed Carson Wentz. I mean, I know that you and I had discussions during the offseason where I had yeah. seen things. We'd all seen things. Me and Adrian used to talk a lot during the offseason. Yeah. And we, we saw things that Carson could have improved on, but we also talked about things that the whole goddamn team could have improved on. Exactly. And if, if Chris and Frank would have just done their jobs, Carson might not be injured over in Washington. He might be over here and, starting and we might be, you know, better than three, four, and one. And I'm not saying Carson we'd be, would've... I'm not saying we'd be eight. No, I'm saying we might be, you know, above 500. Because yeah, Carson, we'd be, five, we'd be five and two or something like that. Like I think Carson yeah. would be a lot better with these weapons. Um, we got a uh, statement or a question here from Ashley. Here she asks, uh, "Why is everyone worried about our running backs without JT? We have DJ Lindsey Wilkins and maybe Moss." If let me answer this one um, because uh, I said this a few weeks ago when we went to play Denver on a Thursday night, yep. and then we went and we played. Ah, who else did we? Did we we played somebody else without JT, didn't we? Um, Jacksonville. Yeah, Jacksonville. Because DJ went off in that game too. So both those games, I remember when somebody said because Jonathan Taylor wasn't ruled out before the JT or before the Jacksonville game. The Denver game was when DJ and Phillip showed that they can do it. Right, they could take the load if they needed to, and they performed better than JT had all season. And at that point, I was like, I'm not really worried about our running backs. Even though you know we won that game by kicking field goals, I still wasn't worried. Yeah. Um, uh, they the both they both had over a hundred yards, and or they not both of them individually, but combined had over a hundred yards rushing. So I was okay with that. Um, yep, Ashley, I, I totally agree there with Matt. I, I mean, like we said in the Denver game, 
I do not see running back as an issue for this team. I do not look at the depth. I do not look at the pieces. I do not look at them and say, like, if there was a draft tomorrow and people were sitting here worried about running backs and they say, would we take a running back? I would tell you absolutely not. So it's one of the least position worries about we're worried about on this team. Even if anybody even out there, gone. even yeah, with Hines, I'm still not worried about it. Even with Hines, back is huge in my opinion. Exactly, and I think that Paris Campbell being healthy totally can take over the Hines role because uh, as much as I do love Hines and how effective he is, we're barely using him. So I feel like we should get Campbell more involved, and we we got some guys. Frank even said that we got some guys that can take over that role. So. um I just I, anybody who's worried about running back is worried about the wrong situation. They're pretty much Jim Mercy if they're worried about running backs right now. So, so my thing is, is with Wilkins, right? I, I, I like that you know we Wilkins is is here on my screen and a few years oh, ago. Oh, actually, you know what? That's a good one to talk about. A few years ago, um, when Hines, I believe it was the Philip Rivers season. Yeah, Hines was the backup. Yeah, well, I mean, he had multiple good games, but he was doing flips and all different types of stuff. Um, but Wilkins and Hines both were kind of the same, right? Wilkins was able to break off big ones. Hines was doing, you know, his thing. Um, and JT was doing his, but what I liked, what I thought was that we were going to trade Hines back then. I didn't think we were going to trade Hines now, Mm -hmm. right? Because we had built such a, a large value around Hines by showing his, athleticism and his ability um and then wilkins had shown that he was a third down back so at that time i thought okay you know and paris we thought he was going to come back healthy and he was gonna have another good year all this stuff right because he showed in that san diego game or the la game i can't remember if they were in san diego or la that year but when we played the Chargers week one paris showed that he had flashes of being a stud and then he got hurt um so I really thought when I thought about this process at the end of the season, I thought that we were going to trade Hines and Wilkins was going to step up as that running back too because of the fact that he was like that third down back to let JT take a rest. Um, and he would still pound it. I remember watching Wilkins run the ball. And I remember watching him pound it. That dude looked small, but he was running people over. And then I just expect the Paris to come back and be more of the role as to what you're talking about him doing this year. Yeah. Um, so I think a couple of things for that is uh is is our digression pretty much of offensive line. We've digressed. I mean, I don't know how many people are ready to admit it. I think uh you probably heard Rick Victor say it, but he pretty much was saying after I want to say about week one or week two that how this old line been getting their butt kicked. He said, if I was in that meeting, I would tell him, you're the most overrated uh, unit in the league. And that's been the biggest difference in our running game. So um, just like Trev is uh, is saying here in the comments, every running back we have could potentially be a starter or a very solid number two. No need to worry about running backs. Just use them correctly. And I totally agree with the comment um, outside of the fact that not every offensive line is going to be that good. So that's the thing that people say about running backs, and this is why running backs are completely disposal now in the NFL. So when you get to the NFL level, a great offensive line is going to get you at least two more carries for no matter who's the running back in the backfield. An average offensive line is going to maybe get you to that four to three yard mark. 
and a terrible offensive line is going to get you to that one to negative yard mark, and that's the difference between a great back and a good back who will then offset what that offensive line can do. And since every offensive line isn't great to be able to get you that to that four-yard mark average per carry, that's what a great back is supposed to be able to do and be able to be the change. And that's been the biggest thing for our offensive line right now. So all of our backs could be stable if we get our offensive line fixed. And that's pretty much been the difference for this year, which has been the two biggest things that we did last year. Running the ball and turnovers on defense. And our defense has been literally take out turnovers. They've been the best defense in the league. But that is the problem. We're not forcing turnovers, and that brings us to our defense. This is why we have Shaq back. Shaq back in a, in a rotational basis. I hate it. Still finds a way to force a turnover. Like, I mean, I get it. That ball was just kind of thrown up there, and he just kind of hey, was able to jump you gotta up make plays. It, but he still you gotta did make it. Plays. If you it was someone plays. else, nobody would have called that ball. You like, gotta that's make just, plays. That's just, you know, Shaq being Shaq. So um, I don't understand why that brings me to this point. I don't understand why Shaq is still on a rotation, why he's still on a pitch count. I mean, just let the man play, dude. I I, I I hate the rotational stuff. Like, they try to do it with JT. I can't tell you how many times. Like, we can probably put together a list that can show you JT's 100-yard games versus JT's 10-carry-yard games or 10-carry games. That is ridiculous to me. You do not give somebody that's supposed to be a great running back or somebody that you're going to pay over $10 million to 10 touches a game that it is it's just ridiculously insane to me and i hate it i hate these i do not like the pitch count like if you're gonna do pitch count do it with a receiver do it with somebody who doesn't need a ton of plays they just need to be on the field and get targeted like do not do it with a linebacker a safety a corner a defensive well you could probably do it with a defensive you should lineman. probably do it with a defensive lineman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it with a defensive lineman. but uh, like you can't do it with positions like offensive line and linebacker and running back because of the fact that any touch they get could potentially be that one that they need so to me it's like when you do it to a linebacker like 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 Darius or Shaq Leonard, I'm sorry. Um, it's it could be that interception. You put him on a pitch count, and he's not really getting into the rhythm. He don't get used to running full speed. Like if anybody in here is in the comments or Matt, you've played football, you know when you haven't been running every day, you're gonna come out and you're gonna feel heavy footed for the first maybe six weeks. And just like with JT, like you give him ten carries and he has seventy four yards. What does that tell you? Give him the damn ball, Frank. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, I, I, it just makes no sense to me. So, me, when I hear the pitch count, I, I, I just, it's just the first thing that pops into my mind, especially with our running backs that we've already discussed. Play him fully or don't play him at all. We got other guys who are fully capable. And same thing Facts. with our same thing with Facts. our court. And that takes me that takes me to the fourth and inches at the end of the game last week. That ultimately led to us losing. How how do you have a guy like JT? You have uh, Deion Jackson. <laughs> I mean, you can't sit here and tell me you didn't run a QB sneak because you didn't practice that shit with Sam Ellinger. Like, that doesn't make sense. Bro. A quarterback knows how to just fall forward. 
Like, it's inches. It was fourth and inches. It wasn't even fourth and a yard. That's the quarterback knows how to fall forward. Like, like Matt, think about it this way. If you were ever a play caller in your life and you were sitting here like, what are we going to do on fourth and inches? If you were a play caller, is your first not thought like maybe just have our quarterback fall over the line? <laughs> yeah, that's my first thought every time. Like if or you're a play, like like if you're a play caller, like if you ever thought to think like what would I do on this situation? Like it I've been I've been there. I've been a play Ashley's caller. Ashley's laughing at me. She says LOL DeMarco. I'm sorry I'm getting animated because it's just bringing me back to the game and like I'm yelling at my TV because I swear to you guys, like the Colts, like it's like where I'm at right now, I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, like I'm just pissed off about the season, but of course I'm I'm gonna be a fan every single day. Every but day. I get I, I literally get pissed off when I look at this offense because before we traded Hines, I look at this offense and I literally I, I honestly couldn't tell you guys. I don't see anybody in the league with a running back like we have. A running back like we had with Hines, the receiving core, the big bodies, the tight ends that we have. Every position that we have, I don't see how you can't come into the office and you can't just have unlimited plays. Like, it should be. I got 60 plays for JT. I got 30 plays for Hines. I got 20 for each of our tight ends, whether it be Mo, Jelani, or Kylan. Like, I got plays for just everybody. So I, it's just me personally. Like I've never called plays in my life, but I just look at this offense and I'm just like, geez, this, this is easier than Madden with the guys we got. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Especially with how each one can be used. You know what I'm saying? Like if you look at it, you look at the way our receivers are there. We have a, a, a short, a mid and a deep just it, it, in our receivers. You got, you oh got, God. you got Paris, who can be the short guy, but can also go deep. But he, he he's usually used in the short where he gets the run after catch. Then you've got Michael Pittman, who's that medium guy who runs those those medium ins, those medium outs, the corners, you know, those medium posts, the shallows. And then you got Alec Pierce. Who, who can, can do it deep, all? Who can do it all? Oh. How are you how are you not using these guys correctly? It just brings me back to the Greg Doyle comment. Like, it just makes me think you guys don't know what you're doing. Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods. Mo Alley-Cox. I I mean. I'm like, give us Sean McVay and watch what he can do with this offense, bro. I mean, mean, (laughs) we have three tight ends that mimic what our receivers are doing. You got Jelani, who's always been that deep threat. You've got Mo, who's been that mid guy who can get the the run after catch in the midway. Then you got Kylan Granson, who's a short catcher who can take it. And he has one of the best separation rates in the yes. league. I mean, bro, this should be this this offense should be child's play to sit here and call plays for. And it's like, and then when you watch our team play on Sunday, it's upsetting. It's difficult. It's it just so, looks so, so hard, bro. So, so I, I'm I'm admit Saturday night I was sitting there thinking about what Sam Ellinger could do with these receivers, Jeez. and I was so hyped. I was like, oh, this dude's about to light it. Up. If I was an if I was a head coach and I had to start, you know, a guy like Sam Ellinger, a guy who went from practice squad to starter in, in you know six seven weeks, I'd be like, season, I'm free. I'm take the handcuffs off. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, I'd I'd straight up be like, all right, man. Guess what? You're going to light it up tomorrow. You, our you're our focal point. When we run the ball, it's to make it easier for you. 
right? You're the guy tomorrow. Uh, and and that's not what it looked like. What a Saturday, I thought that may, maybe Frank's going to let Sam loose. You know, I'm hearing mobility all week. I'm hearing this, that, and the other. And then I was just like, oh, cool. It looks like Matt Ryan's back there. <laughs> but you, you, sat him, you sat him like you were loose to, used to 37-year-old guys. And yeah, I'm like, oh, my God, man. Like, come on, let this man loose. Man, yeah, so it, it, it's just been a real difficult thing. So, uh. Let's move to the little the, the defensive side of the ball for a second here. Let me get you take on on how you're feeling because, like I've said, we've been one of the top defenses in the league outside of the the twenty four zero game, which wasn't completely on the defense. Our defense has been really good. We've been great with getting pressures, um, and then uh, um, we did pretty good outside of the last ten points to end the game. How are you feeling? What are you looking at defensive-wise? What are you thinking about that side of the ball? So like we said, man, I think the, the, the pass rush this year has been something we haven't seen in over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we've seen a pass rush like this since probably Dwight Freeney, Edwin, or, uh, Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis together. Um, I, love what we, I love what we have on the line. Uh, I think Tyquan Lewis is going to be missed drastically because I'm sorry, but I love a guy who can set the edge and not just necessarily rush off the edge, but a guy who will set the edge. And that's one of my favorite things about Tyquan Lewis that he showed me this season. And I think it's just, it's so upsetting that he's hurt and he's going to be out the rest of the year because when it came to playing guys like, like Brian Tannehill or, you know, some guys like Jalen hurts, we still got to play the Eagles. So, Playing Jalen Hurts, we need those guys that can set the edge, and and Tyquan was showing that he was the most elite at it. Um, but our defensive front as a whole, I'm I'm not too concerned about. I love the combination between DeForest and Grover. Those two are just they've been monsters together the last couple of years. But this year, Grover is definitely getting the attention because he's definitely shown that he has drastically improved and wants to just disrupt everything. I mean, every game, like especially against Tennessee. The last couple years against Tennessee, that guy has killed Derrick Henry. Just single-handedly has tackled the shit out of Derrick Henry. So, um, linebackers, I think, is probably where the most confusing part comes into play because we have three studs uh, between Bobby, Shaq, and Zaire. Um, We're going to miss – I think we're going to miss EJ Speed also. He's came in. He's made some good plays too. Uh, the play that happened last week, I think, was a, a fluke. You know, the Terry McLaren over uh, Stephon Gilmore. I, th- I just think that was a fluke, man. That's not something that's going to happen nine times out of ten. It was just one of those, that one time out of ten that Terry was able to catch that ball over Stephon. So, the majority of the time, that shit ain't happening. Yeah, it, it's, just, it's just not. Um, what, I, what I do think <coughs> is Faceon needs to stop playing. Like, I don't know what the obsession is with this guy, but he is the weak point of this defense, and every big play that happens is on Faceon. It's like, uh, <clears throat> it's like, uh, I think the situation with Gus Bradley and Faceon is like, like what one of your boys has like a really ugly girlfriend, <laughs> and he wants to continue to keep showing her off and acting like she's a shit. And like everybody, everybody knows she's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Like I don't like I don't get it. Like you can even listen to Rick Venturi, and Rick Venturi is calling that dude out every day. 
yeah. every day they talk about the defense. He's like, I, I, I. The funniest thing about him is he would sit there and say he would compare just the same way that I do with, with Shaq Leonard and Isaiah Rogers. He's a turnover guy. And I don't see how he's not on the field with his ability to create turnovers. Yeah, he's going to have some I'm mistakes gonna, because he's young and he's learning there. Um, but, yeah. I'm going to answer this real quick. Um, so a lot of people expected a whole lot of sacks out of Yannick, and I, and I understand that. I think Me and Matt was on different sides of the pendulum here. So, so a little bit, a little bit. I, 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 I do think um, individually Yannick has not really done much. I mean, he's tied with DeForest uh, with sacks, but which kind of looks bad on Yannick because DeForest is a, uh, a one-tech spot and or a three-tech. Uh, three one depending on your defense he's kind of he's a middle guy and then you got Yannick who's known as a as a pass rusher you know when they're both tied pure pass rusher pure pass rusher but at the same time um his presence has been felt I'll say that because if you really watch him on tape he's there he's pressuring the quarterback he's just not ultimately getting the sacks that you would expect him to get but He's back there. He's pressuring. Um, I think some games I've questioned, hey, why the hell are you not? Like, why'd you stop? Why are you hesitating? I think it was specifically against Jacksonville. Like, he was afraid, which is also understandable because pass rushers have been getting penalized a lot for roughing the passer this year. And I think that week specifically, we had a lot that led up to that game where people were talking about it. And if you really watch the tape of Yannick against Jacksonville, he – uh. There was a few times where I was like, whoa, dude, like you had a clear sack there, but he looked like he was afraid to hit him. Um, I think edge rushers this year are kind of going to have to get a, a, a grace period because the NFL is cracking down because of what happened to Tua. That's that's just my opinion because a lot of these edge rushers seem like they're afraid to hit the quarterback. Yeah, They don't want to take that 15-yard <clears throat> You know, they don't know – you know, they just don't seem like they know where they can hit them, you know? Yeah, Um. my take on Yannick this year, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm looking for a sack guy, honestly. I think that's that's where I've started to categorize uh, pass rushers. Um. So I, I would make it as two separate categories. Are you a, a sack guy or are you a disruptor? And... I would prefer a disruptor. Are you a guy that's forcing the QB to throw the ball early? Are you a guy that's tipping passes? Are you the guy that's got the the quarterback patting the ball and ready to throw it out? And that's what I was looking for with Yannick. Um, there's been some games where he actually has, like the game against Kansas City. He had Patrick Mahomes pretty worried in the pocket and rushing the ball out to get it out early all day. Um the first game against Jacksonville, pretty much didn't even know he was on the field. Uh, so it's just a tough thing to to notice and see. Um, but I, I, I mean, it's just tough to say. But what I will say, what I will say about Yannick, we are better off with him than we are without him. So it's like unless you're gonna find. Maybe like maybe we get the seventh, eighth, ninth overall pick if we're in that position to take like a Will Anderson Jr. If he's that high to get a pass rusher or something like that to replace him. But um, it's just tough to think that like if you think about the money that pass rushers are gonna make, are we gonna commit and pay this guy like 
17, 18, 19, 20 million dollars a year to maybe get a good pass rush going each and every week or not. That's what I struggle with. That's that's where it starts to come to my mind about where we are with him now. I love Yannick, but I need him to turn it up another notch for me. And it's not even sacks. Like I, I mean sacks, if you think about a sack, like think about a sack on first and ten, you get get them to second and eighteen. The team converts a second and 13. They're on third and two. So to me, a sack, it's like a good stat or whatever, but I could really care less about it. Now say he gets a sack or say he tips a pass and we get an interception or something off of it. That's what I want. I want a disruptor. So, but uh, yeah, I want yeah, to better off with him. I agree with that big time. Um I will say, though, when it comes to our defenses, I'm more excited to see our defense on the field than I am to see our offense on the field. Um, I was like that till Sam took over. <laughs> I'm still like that. I don't – it's just um, – I think I was kind of like that. No, I wasn't like that with Andrew Luck. When I, when Andrew Luck was our quarterback, I was always excited to see our offense. and yeah. But that was, we had Greg Toller at corner and uh, – burnt toast but we didn't have a defense then (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i mean lately this year i mean even when we had philip uh at first with philip rivers i was even like i'd rather just see our defense than our offense but this year it's it's definitely like i think i think it's why i was so upset last week when we lost to washington because i was like i didn't expect us to lose because of our defense well okay okay hold on hold on we didn't lose that because of our defense. <laughs> yeah, see, that's why. See, that's how. That's that's the big thing too. Is there were some comments about the Washington game on Sunday, and, and and many Colts fans, rightfully so, depending on the type of fan that you are. And uh, Ashley comments here. She says, "I want I read, uh, Isaiah Rogers to start. We all do, and we totally agree with her. He should have oh, yeah, been starting. He should have been Everyone starting does. since week two, um, or since week one, if whatever way you want to go about it. But he should be starting." Um, but yeah, so depending on the type of fan that you are, the type of football uh, fan you are, if you actually watch film and whatnot, um, our our defense did what they were supposed to do. Now, it is just tough to. I wouldn't necessarily point the finger at them. Is what I want to say, pretty much here. Like if you think about the drive that they were on before, I want to say it was a eight. <sighs> was 18. I think the touchdown drive was 18. I want to say it was about an 11 to 13 play drive. So Washington Commanders drive all the way down from their, I want to say about their 23, all the way down, they kick a field goal. The Indianapolis Colts get the ball back. This is about with about two minutes left. Three and out. And they go immediately three and out. You cannot do that to your defense. Nope. Now, I'll be the play call was a fourth and one, which Frank has to make a decision. I believe it was on our about anywhere from our in between our 40 this, to 30. This was the and, fourth and inches we were talking about earlier. Yeah, and Frank chooses to punt instead of going for it. So even so, Rick Venturi said he wouldn't nick nitpick Frank on that call because of where it's at. In the position, no. I'm nitpicking that. So I'm nitpicking that. Why? Because on third down, on third down, Sam Ellinger was the reason we made it to fourth and inches. Yeah. 
so he was the one that ended up being short by like two inches. So, so why not so let him fall forward? It's it's like a it's like a little tough thing. You can go with the analytics. You can go with the football argument. I'm going either for it every way, time. Either either way you want to exactly. So either way you want to take it, there is no like this is the part that put Franks in the okay you didn't do the wrong thing argument. But to me, you go for it in that point. Yeah. Because what you what you don't do is you don't watch your defense over there sitting there probably gassed, um, and held the team to a field goal which they're supposed to do. And so you need to, at that point, say, hey, offense, we need to go finish this game. Thanks. Like, this offense that we're playing against, they haven't been good all game. We're not going to put our defense out on the field because they just did their job. We need to reward them. So that it, what, what, what that what that play call proved to me, and I said it as soon as it happened, Frank doesn't play to win. He plays not to lose. And that brings and it back to that personality thing I told you, you guys. You see it in that play calling. When you play when you play to win, you're aggressive. When you play not to lose, you're that conservative. And and it's just so ridiculous. Like fourth and inches to me is a no brainer. I'm like, all right, man. Sam with the game on the line. Sam, fall forward. Yeah. Don't go backward. All you have to do is get behind Ryan and go forward. And JT's going to run up. Shit, not even Ryan. Get behind Quentin. Yeah, just get behind somebody and go. And somebody else is going to push you. And guess what? That game's over. You just won. You just won the game. That's why when people nitpick our defense there on that drive, I do not because it is hard. It is harder to play defense. It it is hard to play defense. Um, So – <clears throat> I wouldn't necessarily nitpick our defense there, although, like I said, Rick, Victory, Rick Venturi from the Colts podcast also said it is a defensive job. I don't care what the point total is. You can sit here and say a defense is supposed to hold somebody under 20 points or whatever. A defensive job is to hold the team one point less than I your did. offense. I remember he said that, he said so, that on Tuesday. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so that was his thing, Um, but – to your point, to, to his point, or, or against his point there, I believe it is both sides' jobs yes. to try and take care of one another. And Complimentary if you football. Call, if you go for it and you get the call wrong and it doesn't work, at least your defense can – we can look at the defense and say, hey, you were just put in a bad spot because we wanted to end the game. I feel that is the safest bet. To put on your defense's shoulders almost Thanks. every time, rather than sending your defense right back out there on a three and out, letting a team go eighty-one yard or eighty-eight yard to kill the damn game. And so, that's where um, my discrepancy comes into. I don't put the blame on the defense there, and uh, that's just a tough one to call, man. This just a tough one, but I, I would go for it in that situation if it was me. And then uh, Ashley in the comments is saying that uh, DJ, uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name, but from Clemson, uh, he sucks. That was the same one I told you that he wasn't that good, and there's been plenty of times. I think he's gotten benched a few times for not being that good. And then Ashley also says, uh, why doesn't Sam sneak? <clears throat> um, Me, honestly, it, I think uh, we had this conversation a little bit earlier, and the reason Sam doesn't sneak is – from Frank's right perspective, 
We haven't practiced it. So he didn't know if Sam felt comfortable with sneaking the ball on that play. Um, <clears throat> I, I, again, I mean, I think Frank has pretty much set himself up for failure in the situation. Um, it's just like, I don't understand how if you have a quarterback taking over, one of the first few things you should be practicing is a sneak. You should be practicing red zone. You should be practicing um, uh, within the 20, the 10. Those should all be things that you're practicing because within the 30 to 30, those are more like plays that can go either way for each team. And the red zone offense is what you should be primarily practicing when you're having a guy take over. And so, uh, Ashley, to answer your question, like I said, uh, Frank said that we didn't practice it. But I just um, – That's a load of I crap. Just, uh, I, I just don't, <laughs> I just, I just don't understand. I just don't understand how your offensive coordinator – No. you not practice Please. Offensive Please. It, it's just like – it's just one of those things. Like you just got to put yourself in a – put yourself in a, 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 a 10 second – no, 12 second. I'm going to say 12 second situation if you're an offensive coordinator and you got the ball on the one yard line. What does your team do? Listen, Teams I'm, I'm going to say this. Two separate situations. Hold on one second, man. Go um, ahead. They're going to look at your offensive line. And if your offensive line is the top <clears throat> 18 in the league, you're going to say, give the quarterback the ball. We're going to go right over it. If you're at that 18 and up, you're going to say, hand it off to the running back and see if he can jump over. If you're a passing team, so probably the 25 to up team, you're going to say we're going to throw a fade or something like that. So I honestly, if Frank, Frank is a, is a bullshitter. He'll try and bullshit you. Um, but uh, just not sneaking in there. Just not what I would. I mean, Listen, Frank's call. you do not need to practice a fucking QB sneak. You, you don't. don't. I don't care what anyone says. That was the <clears> – <throat> dumbest thing I've ever heard Frank Reich say in his life ever since that man has ever coached and had ever done a press conference. The moment he said, I did not run a QB sneak because I did not practice it with Sam. That is the most retarded shit I've ever heard. No one specifically practices a QB sneak. You learn it at high school, man. You 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 learn that shit. Move behind the guy that's moving the furthest. Bro, we, we learned that shit in fucking peewee. Like, push push the line forward and have your QB run behind you. It's inches. It, it's not like it was like fourth and one, like a full one yard. I understand being cautious about that. But then you have the best running back in football. And you're still afraid to get the first down because you were stuffed on the goal line from terrible play calling. Like I, I'm so I'm sorry, man. It's a load of shit, dude. You're, you you feel you, <clears throat> three years ago Frank would have went for that, without even questioning it. No he would have went for that. I think what he's doing these days is uh he's coaching like his job is on the line, and he he doesn't want to give it away by. I mean, honestly, I don't even know. I don't even know if Santa could tell you giving it. Hey, how how I mean, did we make the playoffs before? I think I think he's just thinking if we don't get it here, I'm for sure fired. 
I think that's the way he was coaching there. You can't think like that. Because that's the only way. Yeah, but that's the way he's thinking. Like he's he's walking on eggshells right now. But but then if you get it, but then if but then if you get it, you won the game. Like that's it's so dumb. If that's the thing that coaches that got to deal with it on the NFL level, if you don't get it, you look like a genius. If you do get it. I mean, if you do get it, you're looking like a genius. If you don't get it, everybody's calling you an idiot on Monday. That's fine. And, <laughs> That's and, fine. And like, if I re- we used to, we used to you know talk about Frank being one of the most aggressive coaches in football. That man used to go for it on fourth down, no matter where it was. He was going for it. I he think was he going even for said two, that and all this that. stuff. And all of a sudden, it's like you don't go for it to win the game. Like, dude, what are you afraid of? He got it, clipped. your job. Your job is already on the line. He got clipped. You make that fucking decision, dude. You, oh my god, that he got. Clipped. I'm sorry. He I'm lost, sorry, but he he lost the sack. He got clipped. Like <laughs> I, I understand. I've been in the position of calling plays. I've been in the position of being a coach and and having to make decisions and, and making those decisions. I get it. It's not the same as being in the NFL, but you still have parents behind you, you know, and it, it's. <laughs> I'm making the decision to win every time. I'm not going to punt the ball making the decision to 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 not lose because my defense has playing, been playing well all game. But at the same time, you've put your defense in a bad position all game. At the end of the day, you got to do what wins. Every time. Whatever wins. Let's go all ahead right. and move on to yeah, the New I was England just about game. To say, yeah, we've been on New this England. one for a while. Move on to the Patriots. Um. We've had our we've had our talks all week, <laughs> and I know we're yeah. both on different I'll, sides. I, of the I will I will personally just come out right now and just tell everybody in the in in, in our uh, video searches and our comment sections. Um, I do not believe this is going to be a good game for us. I do not like the Bill Belichick versus Sam Ellinger um, idea. Uh, I think this is going to be a rough game for Sam. I do not like Matt Judon versus this offensive line. I do not like Jack Jones, <clears throat> uh, Devin McCourty um, versus uh, Mac Joe or about uh, against Sam Ellinger. Um, there's just a lot of mismatches that I don't really like from our offense versus this defense, and uh, I think it's going to be a rough day for us tomorrow. I'm on the opposite, <laughs> and the reason I'm on the opposite. <clears throat> is because of four gentlemen on our defense, right? It's going to be that front four. Why? Because that that offensive line for New England is not that good. Uh, if anything, they are kind of close to ours. And as long as you pressure Mac Jones, you're going to shut that offense out. Now, I understand being afraid of Bill Belichick because Bill Belichick knows, right? Me and Zach talked about it earlier. Uh, Bill Belichick's first coaching job in the NFL was with the Baltimore Colts in 1975. That's insane. As a special uh, assistant. Rick Van, he was on Rick Van Turry's staff. Yes. Now that means that that man was coaching at least five plus years in college before that. And then probably at least five, 10 years in high school before that. That man's been coaching since 1960s. Yeah. I think that man's been coaching for almost damn near over half a century. He know he done forgot more football than we know. Yeah, there, there's nothing that he's never seen. Nothing. That's why he's so good at being able to coach against your weaknesses, being able to game plan against your strengths. Play right. But here's the thing. K 
Kate says, uh, I think we have this game. Kate, you think we have every game. I'm with Kate, though. I'm with Kate. But, but I, I just – I see it as we don't really have a strength, right? Our strength has been taken away early. He's not playing tomorrow. So now at this point, you have to figure out a quarterback that has one game under his belt. And that one game, Frank didn't even call it in favor of Sam. So how do you game plan against Sam if you don't have real game footage of what Sam can do? You you know what I mean? Like you can nitpick last week's game footage, and when you nitpick it, you see what Matt Ryan would have done. And Sam just made better decisions. But if you utilize Sam to his abilities, and you haven't seen that yet, you're not going to be able to game plan against it. So that's that's my only argument, and I have the most utmost respect for Bill Belichick because he's ultimately my favorite head coach of all time. My favorite coach of all time is Wade Phillips. Dude is a defensive mastermind. But I'm I'm just saying, man, it looks like it's going to be a weird matchup for both teams. They they have a con they have a cute controversy over there, right? Because Mac Jones was already benched twice for Zappy. So you don't even really know what quarterback you're going to get. Um, their their running back is out. Their offensive line's not good. Their defense no, has Judon, and that's about it. Huh? They got Ramondre. That's their starter. Oh. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, just like you said, the strengths. So that's the tough part about this team. I think our strength is now our receiving core and our defensive line. And just like Bill Belichick said, uh, they got a really good defensive line, and they got a couple of guys with O's that I can't pronounce <laughs> their name. <laughs> That's uh, Odengbo and Odenigbo. So um, he can't pronounce those guys, but he knows that there's some pretty good pass rush. And this goes all the way back to the beginning, if you guys remember what Matt said about losing Taekwon Lewis. I do not like the idea of Taekwon Lewis being gone. Quidipay is – I love him. He's a, he's a really good pass rusher. I think he's really starting to come on. Um, but he does not play the edges well as far as those boots, the play actions. Nope. He does not play those well. He loves to chase the run. He thinks that's always going to be the first action. Um, and so I think he's going to use that a lot. Uh, Mac Jones is necessarily the best quarterback on the run, but he uh, plays pretty effectively. I think Bailey Zappi, if we see him, it's going to be a really long day for us. I, I like Bailey Zappi. I like what Bailey Zappi can do out on the edges and think he can really be nice, um, a nice quarterback uh, against us for what he does. Now, with our receivers against their secondary, that is a really tough battle. But the thing is, is when you go back and look at the, the tape, like Matt said here, now you don't have a lot of tape on Sam, but what you can watch for is you watch this guy can move. This guy can make tight window throws, and this guy can throw the deep ball. So when you're watching the tape on Sam, you have a lot to game plan for. My issue is not only with the second-year quarterback of Sam, technically the first year since this is his first year playing, but it's it's Frank Wright. It's Frank Wright. Like When Frank Wright feels like he has to call plays for somebody to win against, so this is why I could understand why you're picking the Colts to win um, over the Patriots. Is that Frank Wright, when he knows he has to beat a guy, such as a Bill Belichick, he calls a better game. But 
it's just some of those plays where I feel like Frank Wright is going to try and limit and protect Sam Ellinger too much to try and expose the secondary. And and from what I've seen, Sam doesn't look like he'd play hero ball, but it's just tough to say how to see this matchup going. It could go either way, but I just feel like the Patriots' pass rush is going to be too much for this offensive line if Frank is going to continue to call the the Matt Ryan playbook. Well, I mean, I'd actually prefer to see Sam play the <laughs> the hero ball. What clearly it shows that this offense that in this offense, what we need is a quarterback who will play the hero ball, because that's what Frank needs to save his goddamn career, right? Uh, Andrew Luck did it in you know 2018, um, and uh, he even did it in the locker room, right? Because if you remember, we started one and five that year, and Andrew Luck was like, hey. I guess they did like a, from what I what I remember is somebody I think it was Ty said that they had a team meeting of just players without the coaches and Andrew a Luck cussed meeting. Yeah, and Andrew Luck cussed everyone out, and the next thing you know, we win nine out of ten games and make the playoffs. Um, I heard those meetings are bad for our team, supposedly. Uh, not That's always. What, uh, yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers and uh, AJ Hawk on the Pat McAfee show says those are uh, a bad meeting for our team. That's when things are going really bad. But that, I mean, things were going really bad that year. We were one and fucking five. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what needs to happen. The only problem is, is Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't like Aaron Rodgers. So <laughs> I think the dude's a douchebag. Yeah. But um, I think that's ultimately what we need, man. I think we need somebody in the quarterback position to actually just step up and do what they can to win the game, no matter what. And Matt Ryan, I mean, our offense has looked like the Atlanta Falcons. That's what it looked like with Matt Ryan under center. The 2021 Falcons. Yes, that's exactly what it looked like. When you look at Matt Ryan last year, he was getting hit all the time. He was forcing throws. He was doing this. He was doing that. And then just without uh, Corral Patterson. Right. And and then you bring him here and you think you're going to change him? The guy has been in the NFL for 15 years. What did you think you were going to change? That is why I like Sam. I like Sam because he's coachable. Right? He's young. This guy is, is – all he can do is learn. This is, <clears throat> he just finished his first start. So if he's not sitting there with his coaches and learning – what he did wrong or what he can improve on, that he's not doing it right. I don't care if you're in the NFL or not. Matt Ryan's been in the NFL for 15 years. There's nothing you could tell that guy that's going to change him or take him from what he's used to doing. Yeah, but you can, you can fix Sam. That's one of my things I love about Sam. He actually uh, went to uh, uh, Stephon Gilmore on uh, Tuesday, went straight to him and said, hey, Basically, he was talking about Belichick and this New England offense and pretty much just asked him, what does he do? What does he like to do? How does he like to get guys yep. off their game? And I guess Stephon Gilmore has said this isn't the first time he's done it. He's been doing it since he's been on the active roster. Um, so <clears throat> it's something that I like to see from Sam. Um, but the problem is, is with Matt Ryan, he came in and thought he was going to have the offensive line to just – sit back in the pocket with him. Like, if you watch the Eagles, I think there was a meme that went around that Jalen Hurts is just sitting there in the pocket, and he has the perfect 
C shape. You know, when you can just sit in a pocket, you got all day to just sit back there. They have the number one offensive line in football. Exactly. And that's what Matt Ryan thought he was coming into. And honestly, I can say all the way back to 2018, to 19, to 20, to 21, to now, it has never been the greatest pass blocking offensive line. So um, if you watched it on film, you could clearly see that the best this line has looked was with Phillip Rivers because he was getting the ball out so fast. You could see with 2021 because Jonathan Taylor had 1,800 yards rushing. This was a good rushing offensive line. It's been the most overrated pass blocking offensive line. And so that's what Matt Ryan thought he was coming into, and it's really been a struggle for him to catch on because I don't even think in Matt Ryan's career that he's ever been a guy to get the ball out fast anyway. And so that's why it truly didn't work. And clearly uh, Ursay didn't see it because he thought Matt Ryan would be an astronaut with this offensive line. And turned out he was uh, a dump truck driver. All right, what is your uh, key matchup for tomorrow? <sighs> My key matchup is going to be the, the, the offensive line versus Matt Judon. I mean, Matt Judon is tied for the league leading sacks. I think Matt Ju- Judon is going to have the game of his career tomorrow, as far as I can tell, just the way it looks. I mean, he's not a speed rusher, so. I think um, uh, Ryman, Bernard Ryman, can hold up against him because he does way better against um, athletic guys than he does versus speed guys. So I think he could potentially have a big day or or have a good day against him. But I I just think Matt Judon versus this offensive line, man, just might not be so good. That'd be my key matchup. We got uh, Tez so ambitious coming in to the comments. What's up, fellas? I would love to see us draft AR-15, Hinton Hooker, CJ Stroud, Will Levis. I would prefer AR-15. His upside is crazy. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I am uh, a Florida Gators fan, AR-15. He is my quarterback, but I believe he should stay another year of college. He needs the development. His accuracy is not exactly there yet. Um, he does really have really good upside as far as his running ability, his deep throw ability. He reminds me a lot of Josh Allen when he plays, but I think he should develop his accuracy a little bit more. Um, I've been highly on this. You can ask anybody. Will Levis, to me, is not the guy. Anybody who drafts Will Levis is about to end up with Josh Rosen 2.0. They're going to be a sad sap for drafting a quarterback at number six or five or whatever they're at. Because they're going to end up with the number one overall pick the next year because he is that bad. I do not like what Lewis. Um, Hendon Hooker, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, they have all struggled today um, in their late round matchups. I've been uh, watching a lot of those today. I'm currently watching Bryce Young right now. Um, a lot of those quarterbacks, they struggle against elite defenses or pretty good defenses when they don't have everything really good around them. So um, I, I, I would. I mean, the draft thing, we've been talking about it a little bit in a couple of our group chats, but I personally say we should probably hold off on that until we're completely out of this thing. But honestly, I could tell you right now, watching these quarterbacks, none of these guys are supposedly the the next Andrew Luck, the uh, the next Trevor Lawrence, the, the pretty much the pretty much the highest guys that are rated out of quarterback. So unless we're gonna have everything ready for around any of these kids. We may want to hold off on the quarterback talk. 
All right, so my uh, your matchup, my key matchup tomorrow is going to be Paris Campbell on anyone on that defense, mainly because we've seen Paris Campbell all year slowly get better, slowly get faster. He's just, I don't know, man. He's become what you were hyping up all off season, and I was kind of bashing all off season. So uh, I'm going with your boy, man. I love my guys, Sam. Uh, that's my offensive matchup, but my defensive matches is, matchup is going to be DeForest Buckner. I think DeForest Buckner is going to eat tomorrow. Uh, oh yeah, they got um, <clears throat> their center is out. <clears throat> Patriot center is out. I forgot nope. his name, but he's out. Um, I, yeah, I, I I like those picks. Uh, I love my guy Paris. I want my guy Paris to get a, to get more involved, man. I, I'm. Kate Hoffman, you know. You Kate know. definitely says I've been super bad. Yeah, Paris. yeah. And I definitely had. had. I was. Been, <laughs> no, because it, it wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault. I, I, I totally understand him because me, you know, being a Colts fan is difficult. Man. It, being a Colts fan is difficult really? because it's like you're either a realist or you look at the upside to everybody you guys draft. So it's, like, really difficult to see what you have there. Because me and Matt even had this discussion in the offseason. Matt was telling me, like, all our receivers are unproven. I don't believe in none of these guys. And I'm just like, I'm telling you, Matt, we just got to get them going. And, like, you look what happened. Like, look at our receivers. Like, even Matt's now a believer. Like, our receiving core is fine. But it's just tough to believe in them when you don't see them. So that's why I really think we do need a quarterback. But I want a quarterback that – we need to – so, I mean, we've had talks in it. I don't want to get into it right now because I'm still into the season until the season is, like, going to be pretty much out of our way because right now we're really still in the fight. But we just we need to fix our offensive line, and I think any quarterback would be able to thrive in the system with the weapons that we have. Um, so, yeah, I just need Paris to keep being healthy. Um, and then uh, Tez is saying – um, hear about he thinks Woods is finally gonna go off, but uh, I, I think I think anybody in this offense can really go off if we can protect the players. Like uh, Kate says, do you don't trust Sam? Um, I do trust Sam. I don't trust Frank. I don't trust Frank to trust Sam. <laughs> like I mean, anything that we get that can go well is is Frank. I don't I don't like Frank. I don't I I, I can no longer think that Frank can run this offense to his best ability. I think Frank holds Matt has said it like a billion times. Frank is holding Sam back. Frank is holding this offense back, and and uh, until he can just. I don't know if it's the quarterback in him that always wants to protect the players or whatever it is, his mentality, whatever. But Frank is holding the offense back. Frank will always be the person that holds this team back. And I've been saying it since 2020, and I will continue to say it. Um, even in 2020, he held this offense back, right? I mean, Hines, was, Hines went off, but he was still kind of held back. JT went off, but he was still kind of held back. MPJ was, got 900-something yards, but he was held back. It's just, you know <laughs> – yeah, even Kate's saying it here, man. I've been saying it for a long time, man. This team is going to go as far as Frank lets it, and Frank is not letting it go very far, and we've seen it this year. And I, I, I'm i not going to lie. The non-humble me is going to sit back and laugh when I see all the fans that are saying fire Frank. I laugh. There goes Kate. There goes Kate with the fire Frank. Right because, on cue. <laughs> because, because I've been saying it, man. I mean, you've seen me even in our AFC South Fortress group. I've said it. I mean, in every group I'm in, I've said it. I don't like Frank Wright. I, 
Never did. I thought he was that guy that gives you cookie cutter fucking answers in the press conferences. He gives you cookie cutter fucking offenses. Our offense was way too vanilla last week. It was way too vanilla to have a, 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 a mobile quarterback and, and and a good running back. You know, the top running back in football, you know, a year ago. To have those two together and you call an, a vanilla offense like that, it's it makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. And then one drive, you call it not vanilla, and then you mess it up, and you start calling vanilla when you get into the opposing, you know, territory. Frank, it's Frank, man. Yep. And uh, I, like I said, I told you guys all from the get go, I, I was a Frank Wright apologist. Like I was a Colts apologist. Like anything that could go wrong, there was an excuse I made for him. And just watching Frank um, do what he does, it, it's just inevitable. To find a way, and just like last year, so think about this year, guys. Every single we have not led into a, going into a fourth quarter, not one time this year, you guys. We have not led going into one fourth quarter, and so think about last year. Frank Wright has literally given up the most leads in the NFL. So this has just been terrible from from wherever Frank can start to wherever he can finish. And I was the guy that kept apologizing for Frank Wright, kept making excuses for him, saying it was different things. The offense did this, the offense did that. But ultimately, it comes down to, is your offensive coordinator, is your play caller going to put your guys in the correct position to be able to succeed? And Frank has not shown that. No, and, and it, it, he goes, listen, man, this is this is the thing I hate about him the most, right? Jelani Woods gets two touchdowns against, you know, uh, was it Tennessee? No, that that's not my daughter. Um, gets two touchdowns against Tennessee, and then the next week he doesn't even use Jelani Woods. It makes no sense, and Frank has done this nonstop. You know, you use uh, Philip Philip Lindsay does whatever he does, and then next thing you know, you don't use him. Uh, Deion Jackson breaks off a thirty yard run, and then he comes off the field. Uh, JT breaks off a a twenty eight yard run, and the next thing you know. You know, you're throwing the ball. Um, Paris Campbell last week has a jet sweep and a screen all on the same drive, and then you stop using them. Yeah, it's yep. it's time. just what Frank never rides the high horse. He just constantly changes it. Like he's trying to be – he's trying to outsmart people, but he's outsmarting himself, and it just drives 100%. me insane. Yep, he even said that uh, he said that he forgets that JT is our best player. He continuously giving him the ball. And I thought that was I thought that was a pretty insane shitty thing to say as an offensive coordinator. Like how how do you think you can't give your best player the ball multiple times? Like that's supposed to be your job as an offensive coordinator. Put the ball in your best player's hands as many times as possible. So I just thought that was pretty insane. But uh Tess says here uh Sam is Sam is a is great. It's not that I don't want him. I just want the best competition in the QB room. Even if we draft a QB next year, he will sit behind Sam regardless. As far as head coach, IDK, who is the best fit? I would love Sean Payton on a young head coach. So um, we're not going to get Sean Payton. Sean Payton's under contract with the Saints. He will be for the next few years. Uh, he retired early. Um, yeah. I wouldn't want Sean Payton to begin with because I always thought Sean Payton was carried. Um, by but, Bruce. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Tess, for me, um, just like you said, Sam is great and 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 I, I agree uh with Tez. Um like I, I would like the uh, a QB competition as well, but I'm not ready to go that far yet. I have I have my own thoughts about it, but 
It's just because of the fact that we're not out of the battle. Like, we can still either somehow win the division, because obviously the Titans have the Chiefs this week, or we can make the playoffs um, one way or another. I think um, that, uh, um, God damn it, Frank can keep his job. Um, or, you know, Sam may be a guy, you know, so I'm not ready to give up on all of that yet. Cause one way or another, I'm not a guy that's going to ever sit there and be like, I'm ready to give up on a season. Nope. I don't like listen, losing. So listen, I, 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 I'd be damned if I wake up every eight o'clock on every Sunday to watch us sit there and lose knowing we're going to lose. So as much, even if I think we're going to lose the game, I still have hope that we can win that the, game. The last um, time we tanked, I was in Afghanistan. Didn't even realize we were tanking. All right. I was, yeah. I was deployed. So I didn't even watch that season. I, 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 I'm not I had for a calendar it. and what and put L on it. Every single week out of, out of out of sixteen seasons, waiting for us to get a damn win. So. Here's, here's the thing: I'll I'll sit here and I'll say you know, <laughs> Jim Irsay, and, and it, everybody else makes it sound like it's a bad thing. Jim Irsay won't fire a head coach in the middle of the season. No, I, yeah, GM. Uh, he's going to do what he can to make sure that they can try and salvage the season, and I'm okay with that. That's the definition. That's the definition of a good organization, right? Yeah. Now. Why so am I? Why am I gonna? Why am I gonna spend three hours on a Sunday hoping <laughs> we lose? Like that doesn't make fucking sense. Exactly. So, um, and then as far as head coach, I have, I do have my own head coaching ideas. I will feel free to spread those because of the fact that I want Frank gone one way or another. I do. I have, have one name. That if we if we make the playoffs, I know Frank will stick around. He's not going to go anywhere if we make the playoffs. Or no, no, no. I shouldn't say make the playoffs. If we win the division, if we make the division, Frank sticks around. If we make the playoffs and win one game, then uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. So. I like D'Amico Ryans from San Francisco. That, that would be my current guy. Or to be Jim Harbaugh from uh, Michigan. So those are my two guys. And K, yeah, the, 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 the Titans have pretty much dominated the Chiefs. But um, I think that uh, I think the Chiefs are going to be ready to roll against the Titans this week because they're finally going to look at them as a team I wouldn't necessarily say good but they're going to look at the team that they need to be. I have a friend who's a Titans fan, and he's not one of those ones that, that acts like the Titans are hella good. And he was talking about their 5-2 and two record. And uh, he told me, like, we haven't beat a team with a good record. So nobody they beat in their 5-2 and two season is over 500. So um, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, let's act like the Titans are good or that they really beat anybody. There's just a team that overachieves with a really fucking good head coach. That's, That's all what it is. is. That's all it is. So, they just have a good head coach, and they so, they're very disciplined. That's ultimately so. If we can put our win. if we can put our talent on the tape, we literally could be able to. Facts. Facts. All right. Final predictions for tomorrow. What do you got? Man, I got us losing thirty-one to seven to the, Sounds- to the Patriots. I ain't, I'm not even gonna sugarcoat it. Like I, I just, I, 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 <clears throat> like I, like usually I can kind of visualize how this game is gonna turn out, but I'm just, it's hard for me to be optimistic right now. Just seeing from what I see, like I, I got a Susan thirty-one to seven. I believe, I believe Frank Wright uh, is. Uh... God damn, Zach says forty-two to seventeen. We Jesus Christ. If we lose that oh, bad, no. I might cry, man. Oh, my goodness. I might cry if we lose that bad. 
I mean, I guess that's still around the same score that I said, but geez, that just looks awful. Uh, I'm, <laughs> okay, I'll be the fucking oddball here because I'm so optimistic about this Patriots game, but I just can't say Pat's win. Um, I'm going to such a low scoring shit show. I'm actually <laughs> going to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kate going, says 87-0 Colts. <laughs> I love Kate. I'm going 17 to 9 Colts. I mean, I, I'd love to. Actually, you know what? Not You know, as you say that, see, when I look at it, so Tez says uh, 20 to 31 Pats. Um, Ashley, I do got to disagree with you. That Titans defense is really good outside of their secondary, and they get even better in the red zone. So unless you can score deep on them, they will be good. Um, Ashley also says 35-27 Colts. And then uh, Zach says, me too, but our offensive line is trash, and Pats have a great pass rush. Um, so I will go with Matt on this point. Matt said, you said 17-6 or 17-9? 17-9. Yeah, 17-9. So – if you guys go back, uh, I don't know how many people in here really watch film and watch every other game, but if you watch the Jets versus the Patriots game, the only reason why the Patriots won that game and they were really in it is because Zach Wilson was a complete idiot. I mean, like, he threw three terrible, and I mean terrible. Not, not I don't want to say just, like, some tight windows, maybe made a mistake interceptions. He threw three terrible interceptions in that game. And I had changed my mind that the Patriots um, would beat the Jets only because Brees Hall had got hurt. And so there's there's a good chance the Colts could put out a, uh, pull out a win in this game if our, if our defense plays really well and if our offense plays efficient. Um, but, uh, I just, I mean, Matt's kind of changing my mind right now. Cause I'm, I'm obviously a Colts fan man. I want, I want us to win so bad, but it's, it's just, uh, it's just tough to say, but I, you know, if we win, of course, I'm going to be happy as hell. I'll be unpolitic, about, about another 12 to, uh, what is it? Uh, 12 to, what do we be the Bronx? 12 to nine. I will take another 12 to nine victory. Um, but it's just, it's just tough. Tough, 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 tough. Ashley, I told you. Ashley says, Ashley says 21 to 0 Notre Dame. I told you they had a chance. I told you. I'm going to, Tez, hey, Tez, I I like this. I watch every film and game as if I'm part of the staff. One player I'm completely disappointed in is Kenny Moore. And to be honest, if there's a value, I would trade him next year. Me and Matt have spoke on this. Agree. (laughs) Agree. Yeah. So, so Tez, um, Matt, if it's all right with you. Um, I just wanted to speak on this because Kenny Moore is my favorite player on the Colts. Like he's been my favorite player since 2018. And um, it's just tough to say, but he just has not been playing well. And me and Matt kind of, I don't know if we were bickering or arguing or whatever, but we got into a little back and forth. About we do that a lot. And, we do that uh, a lot. It's all about Yeah. Lot. yeah. <laughs> it's all about uh, it was just about Kenny Moore asking for more money and whatnot. And, I feel like if he asked for more money, it kind of ruined his whole situation. And the fact that he asked for more money and he didn't play up, I'm really off that boat. So my my voice is – Zach said – can anybody else hear that? Zach said my, my, uh, my mic is acting weird. 
no more really deep sometimes. I think that's just me, Zach. I think that's because like I, when I get when I get like real hyped up, my voice will get like high pitched and whatnot. And so it's kind of changing. But um, yeah. So uh, yeah, Kenny Moore, man, he's been my favorite player for a while, and so it's just tough to see this kind of fall off, man. I I love Kenny Moore, my favorite player, but I just think when you go and ask for that money, you gotta go and ball out. If you're gonna ask for that money, and I, I just don't really like the fact that he asked for it, and and before he even asked for it, so against the Raiders and against the Jags, he was playing terrible, and then he came into the season playing terrible. So that's just just tough. Yep, Zach. Zach says, uh, more money, less coverage. <laughs> that's his name in our group chat as well. I mean, that's been a lot of players, man. They 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 want more, and they do less. Um, Kate Hoffman. Yep. Uh, yep, D. Love more. I love Kenny more, but you, that's my thing. You can't ask for more money and then underperform. If you're gonna ask for more money, you gotta play up. You can't play down. Uh, Tez says right, and he had two years left in that contract as well. Exactly. So if you're gonna play up, I, that's who I actually thought was gonna be traded. So when we heard the trade for Nine Hines, I thought that would be Kenny Moore to go to uh. Who, who was it? somebody mentioned it on um on first take? I think I forgot what team they said, but they thought Kenny Moore was going to be traded basically um, to the Saints, I think maybe or somebody else. But um, you, if you can ask for money, you just you got to play up. You can't play down, and, and you can't be coming off two bad games and then coming into the season and start playing bad. And then uh, Phillies are up one zero. Ashley says, "Yes, ma'am. Let's go uh, Phillies." Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they can keep running because Houston looks like they they found their their vibe. So hopefully the Phillies can get back into it. I know uh, we need to win the we need to win the next two. All right, <laughs> we have to win the next two because if we win tonight, it goes into Game Seven, and then Game Seven is in Philly. Nope, it's Houston? in Houston. Ooh, so, so y'all in Philly right now? Okay. Uh, no, we're in Houston right now. So the last two games. Oh, are it's Game Five. Oh, my bad. Game Five. I'm tripping. But um, yeah. So it's just a lot of Colts players that need to take it upon themselves and uh, get that right. Zach Davis says matchup tomorrow. He's looking for is uh, how the O line stops Matt Judon. So he's basically on the same boat as me. Um, that's the matchup that I've been looking at. And I, I mean, I don't want to say I'm scared or anything, but it's just Matt Judon has been on a tear this year. And our offensive line, to me, if I was him looking at this offensive line, I'd be thinking barbecue chicken. But here's the, but here, um, but, here, but, here uh, but here's my thing, Matt right? Judon, you can slow down the entire pass rush, which allows the Colts to open up things downfield. So he's thinking, if our offensive line can slow down Matt Judon even a little bit, we can get the ball into receivers' hands, such as Alec Pierce, Michael Pittman Jr., Pierce Campbell. Um, yeah, Zach, eight point five sacks exactly. He's tied for the league. League. Go ahead, Matt. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this, right? And this goes back to us being able to say we could coordinate this offense easily. Right, my first oh, fucking my first play is a screen. Oh, oh my god! I was just about to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> my first play is a screen all day, right? Because I know that my offensive line struggles. Right, it's not going to be a run play, but I mean it's going to be a run play because that's what Frank's going to call. But to me, if I'm offensive coordinator, my first play call is a is a is a screen, and it's because of the fact that I'm going to let Judon come on in, and it's going to be a screen to his side. I'm going to make him have to hesitate. And then my second play call is going to be a draw. Why? Right at him. Right right at him. 
Why? Because you just saw a screen. So now you're thinking pass. And now I'm going to take a run to you. They cool. can We're hesitate gonna get... every play. Yeah, let us go ahead and get another three yards, right? Because I'm expecting a first down off of that screen. So now it's it's second and next second and seven, second and six. And now I'm going right back at you because now you don't know what now you now you're just all fucked up. So now I'm gonna run to the other side of the field. I'm getting away from you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's that easy. It's not yeah. hard. Tess it's not says, hard. Uh... They have one guy who can disrupt your offense. How hard is it to take that guy out of the freaking out of the game? How hard is it? We struggled against it in Jacksonville with Josh Allen. It's not that hard. Just like uh, Rick Venturi says, if you don't know what your weaknesses are as a team, when you play against Belichick, you're going to know within the first two minutes what your team struggles at. So um, Tez Ambitious says, my other sleeper in the past game is Jordan Wilkins making his return, and Indy already activated from the practice squad. Tez, I honestly, I disagree there. I think um, Jordan is going to have about five carries. I'd say if we're lucky, we see 20 to 25 in between um, Deion Jackson and uh, Philip Lindsay. But, yeah, I mean, like Zach said, we need to limit Matt Judon. Run at him. Screen his way, force him to use his pass rush ability against himself. Um, uh, I personally don't see this game going well for us just because the way Frank Wright is. I hope Frank Wright goes against everything I think he's going to do, and he gets creative. But what I what I need to see is right because you don't want to give a straight answer in these press conferences. You need to, the thing is is the pressure is on Frank this week because you need need to dominate this game offensively because you just fired your offensive coordinator. Yep. So now you alone, you have to dominate this game. There's no other way around it. If you don't dominate this game, you're going to have Greg Doyle questioning you on Monday morning. <laughs> Everybody is going to be questioning you. Yep. Zach you says, fired Marcus uh, Brady. The Pats secondary is weak. But I fully expect the Pats to bracket uh, MPJ and force the Colts to go elsewhere. They're going to force Sammy to beat us because that's risk they're willing to take. And see, that's why I think this offense is so easy to game plan for because you can't just take MPJ anyway, away anymore. Like Alec Pierce has shown, he he's a guy you need to cover. I, I mean, I don't know if they're going to put the rookie Josh Jones on him, who's been an absolute dog. Um, but his speed probably isn't going to match Alec Pierce's speed. So then if you want to try and take away Alec Pierce, I mean, you still leave MPJ. And you got Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell has had 17 catches for 215 yards and two touchdowns. So, I mean, it's like you could pick your poison with this offense. I love everything we got on offense. You got Jelani Woods and these guys. So, I mean, like I said, it's like I could tell you guys a thousand times what I would do with this offense to be absolutely. It's just a matter of Frank does it. Yeah, exactly. It's just a a fact of is Frank – going to take advantage of every weapon he has because it's like, okay, take away him if you want to. I got him. Take away him. I got him. Take away him. I got him. Take away him. Like, like, it, it just as your ballot. I mean, you're Frank, right? You got so many weapons. I'm going to answer uh, this one. Tess, this one's Tess, Tess. Tess says, who you guys think is gone? Ballard, Frank, or both? I think Ballard's still safe to some degree. 
Frank has got to go. Uh, I'll, I'll answer this one. I will say I will say Frank has got to go since 2019. We're way past due on Fire and Frank. Uh, but I'll say I don't think Ballard is safe. I don't. Um, I do think he's built a solid roster around here. Um, but he has failed to be able to answer the most important questions on a roster offensively. And that is left tackle and QB. Um, those two positions have not been answered. Those two positions are the reason we are in the position we're in. Um, and Frank is literally running in circles trying to figure out how to make this offense run. So ultimately, I believe that the way the offense fails goes on both uh, Ballard and Frank. Uh, and to say to Kate, I do not think Frank uh, drafts very well. Um, I think Ballard, he's gotten Ballard, 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 Ballard. My bad. I don't think Ballard drafts very well. Um, Ballard hit on JT and MPJ, who are both gimmies. Uh, Darius Leonard, he got lucky because Darius Leonard was projected like a fourth, fifth round pick that year. We took him in the second. So. He was projected later. He was not projected second round. I I, I don't know, bro. I got to disagree there because Darius Leonard, I mean, yeah, he got a bit lucky on that one. But to That's say JT and um, uh, uh, MPJ were gimmies is tough, man. They had um, Carson Strong out of Nevada. I'm, I'm pretty close to this kid. Like I've seen this kid play right down the street from me a couple times. He was projected to go second, third overall pick and went undrafted. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say these projections is 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 crazy to go with. Um, I mean, I, I like Ballard. I think Ballard has drafted some – I think this guy is – if you want to demote him and make him just like a scout, <laughs> like to where he's the guy that's helping you pick people, then that would be perfect. You can't do that. I mean, I know, I know. I'm just saying. You can't I'm just, do that. I, I, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's I'm not even saying. the emotion. That's like uh, you just went back to the beginning. Hey. Hey, I don't care. Hey, I don't care. Hey, you're a little man this, now. You this man was scouting. This man was scouting when you were in diapers. You can't. Hey, you I, I completely can't understand. Back to that. I, I, I completely understand. But guess what? I choose a better quarterback than him every single time. I tell you that. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I do better at left tackle. So this is my thing, you guys. Like, I, I think Frank is gone. Matt has been on on this since 2019, or actually not 2019. He's been on this 2018 after the Texans game that we actually won. Matt has been calling for me and him have been in the arguments. Me and him have been in disagreements. Me and him have been in agreements, and then we agreements. So this is how long we've been going at this as far <laughs> as Frank Wright. Frank Wright is definitely gone. He's out the building, out the door. If Frank Wright is not gone, I don't know what me and Matt do. You might see us in different uniforms next year. <laughs> but um, Chris Ballard is different, though. I like Chris Ballard's drafting outside of when it comes to free agency and quarterback. Those are the two things. If Frank Ballard can uh, – or Chris, Frank Ballard. Chris Ballard can fix his um, – ideologies on how he's going to build a team that can potentially save his job. Because I think, I think Ballard brings in the stuff that we need. Like look at Thomas. Exactly. Uh, Zach Davis just said that there from Yale. So um, Zach, I agree. Frank Ballard, uh, Frank Ballard, gee, why I keep doing that? This alcohol. Chris Ballard has actually found, I don't want to necessarily say gems, 
but he is found. <laughs> yeah, Ashley, I'm, I'm the alcohol getting me. Um, Chris Ballard has found a lot of gems that I think a lot of these pieces that a lot of teams could actually use right now. It's just his problem is thinking that he can go cheap on key positions is the problem with Chris Ballard. Me and Zach had this conversation before um, about like a GM uh, <laughs> fire Frank Ballard. You guys are going to kill me with this tonight. Huh? <laughs> um, uh, so like, it's just like, Every GM is going to have misses, right? You're going to draft a guy you think is good, and you're going to miss on him. But you can't miss on on key positions such as, I mean, Zach Davis said many times, pass rusher, cornerback, receiver, and obviously the person who touches the ball every single time, quarterback. Um, I think Chris Ballard can, can stick around, but he's just – he's got to get over it being cheap at the key positions and everything else he does to me, in my just my opinion, just my opinion. I know me and Matt will disagree a little bit. I love Matt's opinion. That's why I always ask his opinion. Even if me and him sit there and argue at it, we'll butt heads. Like people may even think we're fighting, but it's just like I, I like to get his opinion because me and Matt are on the same level when it comes to that 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 football acumen on on seeing things differently. Um but I just think Ballard does a really good job at finding key pieces. It's just when it comes to finding the ones that we need the most, that's where he blanks on. And I know that's probably a big thing as a GM that you can't do, but it's just where he hits is the positions that I think like, damn, I would have never so thought. What, what I noticed about Ballard is that he's a stud when it comes to drafting or getting anybody defensively, right? Defensively, I mean, we're top of the league right now without turnovers. You know, we could arguably be one of the best defenses. I, I love you guys too. <laughs> a top, a top three defense. You know, with without, without getting all those turnovers, and imagine what we get if you know Shaq comes back and we start forcing all those turnovers. We're number one defensive football, and we could ride a number one defense into the playoffs. And I'm good with that. What I feel like he's failed at is, like you said, the few positions. But to me, as a GM, those are your first priorities are your key positions. QBs should have been fixed three years ago. And, that, and that's just my opinion. I, think I that get was it. The biggest mistake. I get it. We got Bobby O. We got MPJ. We got JT. We got Quentin Nelson. We got Blackman. Blackman was a question mark when he got drafted. Why? Because he was coming off of a torn ACL. He didn't even play that whole season that we drafted him. So at that time that he was drafted, I was like, I don't know what this guy's going to be. Because he's still recovering. We didn't even know if he was going to play the first half of that rookie season. Right? Uh, Quentin Nelson was a gimme. <laughs> the dude was the best guard in football. Yep. Uh, MPJ. Not best guard. Best lineman. Yeah. Best lineman. I, mean, I mean, I'll give him MPJ, right? Because that year I wanted Justin Jefferson, but Justin Jefferson was gone. She I'll said give him Paris. MPJ. Paris. <laughs> JT, JT dropped to us in the third. We even traded up in the third to get him. Second. Which was good. Was it the second? Yeah, second round. Yeah, one we of We took uh, him and MPJ. I think it was 238 and 242. So, second round. Stupid. Early, uh, but Bobby, early o, Bobby O, we got lucky that he developed into what he's in. And to me, uh, I'm still upset that we let go of <laughs> Walker. But 
they go kill me with this Frank Ballard. Uh, yeah, um, but I yeah, uh, yeah, I know she's gonna keep coming after me. Uh, so Tess says Ballard's only knocks with the amount of pass rushers he has invested in some cornerbacks, guys like Basham, Quincy Wilson, Malik Hooker, Zach Banner, Teray, etc. But I think he is too cheap. Look at the Nico Autry situation. I think that two offensive line guys were stupid. Um, so I mean, like I said before, Tez, I mean, like, it's tough to hit on every pick. Like, if you look at the guys that you name, some guys were misses, like Basham. He's worked out for the Cowboys. Quincy Wilson. I I thought he was going to be good because, personally, I'm a Gators fan, so I had some bias and didn't work out. Malik Hooker, he was just an injury-prone guy working out for the Cowboys. Zach Banner, we can all throw that one in the trash. We do that one with that. Teray. He's with the Niners. Um, he was really good until the injury. Um, but then the cheap part where you look at Danico Autry. So if you asking me and Matt here about Danico Autry, we are two guys who are not never on the Danico Autry game. I think Danico Autry is just a guy who stands up whenever he has to play the Colts personally. Outside of that, he's like a guy that will get you – a good, a decent amount of sacks, but I, I honestly, I was never high on Autry. I was fine when I'm walking out the door. He chose the Titans over the Colts for a little, uh, I think, I think I want to say it was like $500,000 was the difference that he chose the Titans over us. Um, so it, it's just one of those situations, like I said, like people got to remember never rank a GM off of every single pick. A GM's job is to at least hit on one or two of the guys that they draft. And you most likely want those guys to be in the first round. But at least if you hit, you want to be able to hit on at least one or two of those guys. So I wouldn't necessarily say that. But as far as the the cheap part, me and Zach have talked about this um, a couple times, is the fact that he's be cheap in free agency. Like this year, if he sticks around, he cannot be cheap on a left tackle he has to go get us a left tackle and free agency. That has been my discussion. Um, we got to go get one. Got to solidify that position for our quarterback because me, along the offensive line, you need to get left tackle, center, and right tackle. Um, Tez, yeah, I see what you're saying about the 7.5 with us and only one at $21 million for three years. I'm going to let Matt go before uh, I get to that point. But like I said, I just think Autry is – I mean, I listen, listen, I'll say this. If you watch Autry on tape, he was one of our weakest links on the off on the defensive line. Right. He he can't contain the edge. He couldn't, you know, he couldn't uh, run cover. Right. So anytime anybody tried to run, that dude was missing everything, especially on the edge. Uh, the only reason he was averaging 7.5 sacks every year with us was because of who he had playing next to him. And it's showing in Tennessee. The man's got Jeffrey Simmons. The dude is a cleanup. You ever watch baseball? That's what he is. He's a relief pitcher. That's it. I I don't like Danico Autry. I never did. He only plays good against us since he's been to Tennessee. Uh, And he's played cleanup for anyone he's played next to. That's all it is. Jeffrey Simmons applies the pressure. Danico Autry cleans up. DeForest Buckner applies the pressure. Danico Autry cleaned up. That's all it was, man. That's it. Yep. I agree with Matt there because when he was with us, everybody was still talking about how terrible our pass rush was. So, And then when you look at it, man, our run game on the edge was terrible because Danico Autry couldn't he couldn't seal the edge. 
like I said earlier, man, I've, I love Tycon Lewis because of the way he seals the edge. <clears throat> He's just one of those guys that when you see your old team, like, I'm going to play hard against them because they let me walk. Yep. That's uh, one of those tough parts. Yes, Kate. Kate says uh, Titans is how you say it because, you know, I never call them the way you spell it out. I always spell it really funny, so it pisses Titans fans off. Titans. Titans. All right, everyone. We appreciate everybody coming out. Yeah, I really right. appreciate you guys for coming out. I know we started late. We're almost two hours in. I appreciate you guys for coming through. You know, me animated as usual. My guy Matt had this whole thing set up for you guys. He done put a ton of work into this. Appreciate you guys for real for coming through. And whoever's out there watching and not coming in, we appreciate you guys. And remember, no matter what, it's always go Colts. Always. Kate. Can I be a quest? What does that quest. mean? <laughs> you mean she wants to be a quest. <laughs> yeah, quest. What does that mean? <laughs> what are you saying there, Kate? What you What you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. We might have to ask Tyler. <laughs> hey, thanks, Tess, for coming through. Appreciate you, man. Have a good night. Catch you tomorrow. Oh, a guest. Absolutely, Kate could be a guest. All right, y'all. We'll we'll uh we'll see y'all next week after we get this dub tomorrow. All right. Go. Remember, it's always go Colts. I know me. I try and wear like a different jersey each week. You know. You know hey, and, and don't forget. And enjoy this little this little animation clip that I made. All right. I worked hard on this this week. All right. It took me like three days. Couldn't figure out how to do it, and I had to do a lot of YouTube research. So just enjoy it, love it. All right. Go Colts. Oh, well, yeah, sure. and the reason I'm saying this is because earlier I posted it on the Facebook page, and some dude wanted to comment on it and be like, oh, well, you used a clip. From yeah, we lost. I, was I like, saw that guy. I was so mad. I was like, I hope we didn't lose that game, too. Hey, I was showing Alex. I was so I keep, mad. I was like, I keep on. telling people, people that want to complain about the Colts, like, look, if you're going to cry and bitch and moan each and every week, like, hey, we're going to have tough losses. It, for number one, it's part of being a fan. Everything that yeah. we say on here and we talk about, it has nothing to do with the organization. They're not going to listen to me. They're not going to listen to Matt. They're not going to listen to you guys. So, like, just, just be a fan at the end of the day. Yep. And if they don't accept it, go be a fan of another team. Go run to the Bills. Go run to the Chiefs. Whatever you want to do. But yeah. So. And enjoy the greatest moment of our season so far. I'm sorry. It was a 17 seconds left in the game. Alec Pierce, first touchdown. Like, come on. Just enjoy it. All right, everybody have a good night. And go Colts. Go Colts. He is going to drop the throw. Fires deep along the right sideline for Alec, Alec Pierce. Pierce. He's got it. Touchdown. Touchdown! Alec Pierce spikes it into the end zone. Touchdown! I-N-D-Y! A 32-yard grab over the shoulder snag.